All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be personal, that requires you to create change. I believe we all want to be heard, seen, and understood. But the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, and influence us are not just salespeople. There are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. We're going to uh, share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, gang, this is someone I just always enjoy talking to. If I'm ever at a conference, an L&D conference, I hope I, I walk into this person and, and uh, just give her a big hug. She's had uh, lots of amazing roles in L&D, so been a, a real uh, L&D leader throughout her entire career. Some of her most recent roles have included global talent development and learning leader at State Street. Uh, she's been director of people's success, as well as just lots of lots of awards in L&D. And I think she's going to tell us a lot about you know, what it is to create learning strategies at, at large organizations and even, you know, connect with learners on a very human level. I am so excited to welcome none other than Allison Shea to the podcast. Welcome, Allison. Well, thank you so much, Alex Smith. I'm so happy to be here. I also enjoy talking to you so many times at different conferences. And one of the reasons I love it is because you and I secretly we're in exactly the same business, right? Because what learning is and what, you know, what being a teacher is, what being an educator is, I'm a salesperson. I just sell information. I sell ideas. I sell beliefs. I sell culture. I sell conversion to a new way of doing things. I sell growth, right? And so that's kind of when people ask me, like, what do you do? I say, I grow humans. I grow humans and then I grow teams of humans and then I grow managers of humans and leaders of humans who, by the way, are human too. And, you know, entire organizations. And when I think about what that looks like from a sales perspective, right? Like when you are selling, you may be selling a product or you may be selling a brand or you may be selling a problem or you may be selling a solution you know there are lots of different ways that we approach this and i think that there's a, there's a real similarity within learning as part of our needs assessment right like we have to figure out what our learners actually need in order to find the right learning solution and one of the things about that is that like not all needs are created equal just like with selling, right? And and understanding kind of the depth of it is really important. And so when we think about in organizations, figuring out what kinds of programs we need, I think it's really, uh, really common when we talk to people who are sort of outside of learning, they're like, we need a course, we need a course, a course, a course, a course, of course we need a course, right? But sometimes you don't need a course. And so it's really helpful to be able to not be an order, like an order taker and filler, but to really be a, a guide who sort of brings somebody along, you know, on the journey of what they need. And one of the things I think about with it is like, when somebody needs information, it it's not that dissimilar to say, for example, um, needing like a home 
right? And so like, you might need to borrow a home, like, oh, you had a flood in your basement, you know, and your, your friend lets you sleep over, right? So you're borrowing that information. You only need that for just a tiny bit. And then sometimes you need a little more long-term than that, right? So you're sort of renting it. So when you think about borrowing information, perhaps you've switched over to a new system and you need everybody in the company to be able to log into the new system, get set up on that new system. They will never do it again. They don't really need to memorize it. They don't need to really believe it. They just need to be able to do it successfully, right? And so that's kind of that, like, it's like borrowing a cup of knowledge, right, from a neighbor. It's it's temporary. It meets the need. You need it to be successful. It's done. But then you get into that sort of like renting the information space. And so that's really where it might be a short-term need. It might be a, a transitional need. It might be something that is... Uh, addressing an issue or a problem that's come up, right? But that's not the kind of information or skills or things like that where you need people to like get it, own it, believe it, be able to do it 20 years from now, right? That's not where you need a transformational change where you're you're really getting deep down with somebody. That's not like the expertise knowledge that's that, you know, it's a little more long-term than like just log into a website, but it's it's not something that's really, really deep. And so the next level is like owning the knowledge. You've bought the house, you own the house, right? And and that's where you really, you need to change a mindset in an organization. So maybe this is a big cultural shift. Maybe this is something where the world has changed and you're never going back to the way you were. It's not temporary, but it's also not the kind of thing that you need people to actually change their entire mindset at the core of their being that it affects them, you know, seven days a week, 365 a year, right? Like this is something where it's, it's bigger than, you know, than, than just something temporary, but it's, it's not really getting at transformational knowledge that will never leave you the same again, right? So, the next type of learning is what I think of if this is the house that you are going to pass down to your kids, to the grandkids, right? Like this is that, this is that learning that you will be so transformed by that it will affect everything you do. And it is something that you will pass on to others, either within the organization or you'll share it with your kids and your grandkids and, and the world at large and the, you know, the the teenager that you are a big brother or a big sister to and then, you know, in, in the community and like all of those things. And so when you look at that kind of learning, that kind of learning tends to be not like, you know, lists of facts and information. That type of learning tends to be more about like, how do you interact? It might be how you sell. It might be um, how you bring people together. It might be how you have difficult conversations. It might be, you know, how you handle um, horrible things that happen. Like that kind of uh, skill and knowledge that you then use and it affects everything you do going forward. Um, that's a really different type of learning. And when you look at all of those different models, you can imagine that the same modality or the same way of, of teaching that, right, or of learning that, it's not going to be the same for all of those things. And so I always get like a little laugh when people are like, we just need you to build us a course, do you now? 
oh, how cute, you know, but I mean, if you think about it, if you're going to go into an organization and you're going to sell them pencils, it's not going to be the same sale as if you go into an organization and you sell them like a, you know, $60 million system that's going to be implemented over the course of 15 years, right? So, you know, I think learning also has to have different approaches taken to it in order to make it really, really sticky. Yeah, I enjoyed the, that, that, that framework. I, I never thought of that. Like what, what we learn, we all learn things like we've learned things at work, we've learned things in school and you know, there's different types of, of thing learning like that you just walked us through, right? Like, you know, like, yeah, maybe I'm just buying a temporary house. Like I need somewhere to sleep for the next year or something like that. I need something now I need to do something. It needs to accomplish something now, but you know, what you were talking about is, is a more long-term lasting learning. Like, so now I have the house. Okay. I own it. Now I, you know, I'm in it now I'm like doing things as a result of learning, but then the real deep, like transformational change. I don't think people like, you know, ever go into like a, a course or a class thinking I'm going to be transformed by this, you know, compliance thing, or I'm going to be transformed by this, you know, the sales uh, class that I'm doing, but like it happens uh, over time as you, as you start, um, you know, really like, uh, you know, embedding it. And, and it's really like, I like those questions you were saying, like, how am I actually, you know, uh, handling these situations? How, uh, like, what is my approach? What is my style? How am I, how does this resonate with me? Like you're asking yourself questions of, of how you're actually applying that learning or how you're actually like, you know, how, how you were, um, you know, just, you know, like, I don't know, your, your, your like personality is uh, like just your skills and abilities, how your abilities have, have changed as a result. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about like, because I definitely want to understand like some of the like specific tactical things you're doing to create like, you know, transformational change in, in human beings and the growth and all of that. Before we get to that, um, I want to little know a little bit more about you. And I asked people at the beginning of every podcast and I love that, that, that kind of like, um, walkthrough you did with us, you, you're just teaching, you know, your, your, your main, uh, um, you, you equated it to sales. Like you're doing the same thing. You're helping humans grow. Um, so tell me like when, I, when you hear the phrase sell something by being human, what does that first, uh, come to mind for you? And what do you think about when I say that? Well, when you say that, um, it, the very first thing I think is like uh, selling the good way, <laughs> right? Where you are, where you are being a human, and you are not just you're not just out to um, to make a buck, you know. But um, but you're really looking to find a problem and help somebody get to the solution. And part of that is the sales process of of selling them the right solution. So to me, selling human implies that it is not about the transaction. It is actually about, you know, both people walking away from the experience of identifying a problem, identifying a solution, helping the person with the problem to purchase the right solution so that they can solve it, so that they can they can continue to, to grow and do better and all of that. Um, that's really different than than the sort of make a buck kind of selling that, that we think about. And 
You know, and certainly the make a buck selling has its place. I mean, I think we've all been like in a city on a trip and it started to pour. And then you're so happy that there's somebody there who's like, I'm going to make a buck and sell some umbrellas in the middle of the street. Right. And like, you're so happy to pay your $5 for your $2 umbrella because then you're dry. So it's not that that doesn't have its place. I just think when I think about selling human, I think about it being much more than just that, you know transaction. I think it much, I think of it much more about being a, about being a solution. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I see parallels to learning there because I think that there's so much with, you know, under this umbrella of learning and education that is kind of like that transactional thing, right? Like, I don't think in the U.S., anybody takes their, you know, like SATs or their ACT test or, or something like that. This is for anybody outside the U.S. That's a preparatory test you have to take to try and get to college, right? But I don't think anybody takes that and goes, oh, I'm going to really like change my life and learn from this, right? Like, But it would fall under the bucket of education. But it's not really what we think about when we think about like transformational yeah. learning. I mean, we're going to talk about some of those experiences that you've had in your career, because I imagine you've had to sell that kind of um, uh, you know, we find those problems and identify those problems with uh, managers and um, department leaders and, um, you know, you know, like uh, organization, uh, you know, CHROs where they're, you know, just, you know, looking to you to, like you said, develop a course and you're, you're, you could some, some learning leaders, I'm sure just go, yeah, boss, like what kind of course? Okay. It needs to have that. All right. I got you covered. And then I'm checking the box and moving on to the next, uh, you know, next, uh, um, you know, fire to put out. Right. But you're, you're talking about something much more different and really understanding and identifying the problem. So when you're talking about it's the it's about really the person, not just the transaction, the make a buck kind of selling. So um, before I get into like some of your tactics on that, um, help me understand like where this passion came from. Like, can you like remember back growing up, like like m- moments where maybe you were in a situation that were where you were like really transformed into you know like something, or maybe what you like, maybe something you learned at a young age or an experience that really helped you fall in love with passing on and growing other humans? What 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 was it for you that yeah. um, helped spark this interest in, in, in L&D? So I sort of say that I couldn't fight my destiny kicking and screaming because <laughs> I'm a fourth generation educator. Um. And so, you know, in my mother's family, you cannot throw a rock without hitting a teacher and they don't like being hit with rocks. <laughs> they don't throw a rock. Like but, um, but like even my grandmother was a teacher in a one room schoolhouse. And so it goes back for generations. And so there's it, my whole life, there's always been this like, you know, as soon as I learned something, then I'd be showing somebody That's else awesome. how to do it. Sometimes I was showing people how to do things I didn't even know. And I was like figuring it out as I was showing them how to do it. Um, and so I think that that was so much a part of my whole life that I never really thought that I was going to be a teacher. I I, I mean, I think I thought that I would be um, a professor. I actually was a... <laughs> so, I did a lot of things in a hurry. And um, so I started college while I was in high school. And so by the time I was a freshman, I graduated from high school, I was like a second semester sophomore in college already by credits. And so I wound up, um, I wound up being a teaching assistant for a course. And I was like 20, you know, (laughs) all of these people were so much older than me in the class. But um, 
it's always just sort of been a part of it. But, you know, I, I, I had a lot of different careers and I, and I tried a lot of different things and I have taught everything from kindergarten to college, including rock climbing, because I'm afraid of heights. And I think that, you know, there's this aspect of, for me, learning something that if I'm learning it to teach it, I learn it so much better than I do if I'm just learning it for myself. And, you know, when I was a kid, we, my sister and I would play school all the time because we just thought that was like the greatest thing to, <laughs> to do. Um, but it, I, I did, I was sort of surprised actually when I became an actual classroom teacher many, many, many years ago. Um, and then I didn't, I didn't stay with that. I, I wound up, um, teaching rock climbing and teaching a chief learning officer how to rock climb, which is how I actually got uh, the opportunity to interview for my first corporate job. And that was kind of how I wound up in L&D in the corporate world. Um, but back then, I did a lot of... Um, I did a lot of consulting with different financial services companies about their, back then we called them virtual universities, you know, uh, and they were transitioning a lot of their learning to be, you know, basically um, online. And this was many years ago. And, and part of what I was doing with them was looking at the content that they were trying to transition and helping them to figure out what was the best way to learn it. Because when I got my master's in curriculum and instructional technology, my thesis was really about, could you teach the same thing, both in person and online, and really have the same outcomes? And what did you have to do to the content to allow that to happen? Now, again, this was a very long time ago. So that was like, what? You know, kind of radical and new. But now that's sort of like, yep. Um, and one of the things I have loved about being around education at all different levels is watching just the curve of, of the knowledge around technology and around like learning technology and how that's shifted and changed and how that also just got like jet fuel poured on it during the pandemic in terms of kids and adults and all these things we thought we couldn't do that we then found ourselves doing. Now, couldn't do it and doing it well are not the same thing, right? So just because we can do something doesn't always mean we do it well. And that, that's where there's that opportunity. But I think one of the things that the pandemic helped us to do as organizations and as schools and things like that was to stop thinking that it's impossible and to start having the conversation of how do we do it well? And a really key piece to how we do it well is how are we measuring what well is? Like, how are we, how are we making sure that what we're doing is effective? And, and just whether or not somebody enjoyed it is not necessarily a good measure of whether or not something's effective. And I think you see that, honestly, like, I keep finding these parallels, but like, I think you see that with sales too, right? Like you can sell somebody a product and they can be super happy the first month, but six months later, if they hate it, they hate you, they tell everybody, don't buy that product. It was not successful. Even if the smiley sheets, like right after the sale made it look like it was. And I think we have to look at that too with learning you know, people might enjoy a fun sort of like edutainment kind of course where they're entertained, but 
can they actually use that knowledge? And personally, I think you can be both entertained and educated, and then it can be sticky and it can like transform what you do. I don't think it's an either or. Um, but I think, I think the best learning that we have and the best programs that we do with people, it's not about the technology unless the technology is bad. And it's not about, it's not necessarily about the content unless the content's bad. Um, but it's really about that match of need and solution and what we have planned for the effectiveness of that. Because when we look at, you know, how are we going to measure the effectiveness, the effectiveness of what we're teaching? And we're looking at it like, not just like, did they like it? We're looking at it long-term and we're looking at how does this change something? We start planning to build it differently, mm, Yeah. right? No different than if you're planning for a shirt that somebody's going to be wearing in like, you know, 20 years. Thank you, L.L. Bean, right? Like you're going to build that shirt differently than if you're planning for a shirt that is going to go out of style in six months and nobody's going to wear it past summer, right? And so, you know, what we decide our measurements are will often help us to determine what our ingredients are. And what our ingredients are often help us to determine the shelf life yeah. of something. I've always heard, you know, the famous quote, yeah, what matters gets measured. And, you know, you're talking about, um, like, you're actually making me think of effectiveness differently. Like in, in, the, in, in all, all, all that we do in the workplace, right? And like, let's just take sales. Like effectiveness in sales is revenue, is closed deals, right? Um, and that's effective, like in the short term, like, and that is effective. We won that sale and that did, did well. But like what you're saying is that if that, you know, and we can measure churn numbers, right? Like did, how much churn did we have? And we can say like, whose responsibility is it the original reps or the account managers, or like there's the five other people that touch the sale throughout the time that person leaves. Um, but you know, we rarely ever, we, we, we maybe do like a one-time survey, to say like, how was your experience? Rate us, you know, whatever. And then we have some type of NPS score. Like what, how would you, would you, you know, uh, suggest or, um, you know, would you uh, like recommend uh, this company, right? Again, but we don't really like keep that going forward or like evaluate that or use those metrics long-term. And, you know, you're probably felt like anyone listening to this that's in L&D may have heard of something called the Kirkpatrick model of, of learning. And it's just one philosophy. It's not the end all be all right. But like what he was trying to do is really to get at is learning actually applying, you know, is behavior changing? Is it effective? Is learning actually working? Is it actually doing what it was mm -hmm. intended to do, which was, you know, to influence like to for people to retain the knowledge and then for people to take that knowledge and actually apply what's what they're retaining, right? And so like applying that to, you know, maybe you can kind of educate people and just kind of take people through that that have never heard it. But then, you know, um, yeah, just for everything, it's like we could be asking questions throughout the process of like, hey, what were you, were in what were you intending to do when you came to the salesperson? Were you able to do what you were able to do? How well were you able to do it after meeting with that, them and like down the road and, you know, trying to, you know, kind of get those insights? Um, you know, can you talk to people about like how you, cause I, re I, I saw you, you recently put a post about effectiveness and it's not just course completion. So tell, tell people how right. you would measure it, how you measured effectiveness as an L and D uh, leader yeah. in, in organizations and how, where you think it's going? Like where are companies like where, where, where you think the biggest need is for, for organizations? 
I well, I'll, I'll say first of all, just in you know, in terms of measurement, the biggest, biggest, biggest need is for us to think about measurement as uh, like to stop thinking of measurement as just being like a check the box exercise. Like, oh, we have yeah. a survey at the end, which 99.9% of people don't take, right? And the ones that do, they are only answering the questions about that right then. Like it's, it, it really tells us nothing. And, and so I think one of the really big important things with measurement, with learning, is that we have to determine what, what even is it? that we're trying to determine, like, what are we trying to measure? So I'll give you a perfect example, right? So there's this product and somebody buys it and then they, you know, they get like a, they get a questionnaire about it. And, and one of the questions is, you know, did you think it was beautiful? And they say, oh, it's beautiful. And they say, oh, did you, um, was it easy to install? And they say, yes, totally easy to install. Right, it worked really well. Um, did, uh, you know, did, did the price, was the price good? Yes, the price was good. Would you buy it again? And they say, no. Well, it was a candle. And the question they didn't ask is, could you light the candle? Nope, those candles were defective and they couldn't be lit, right? And so when we have a situation like that with learning where we're asking the wrong questions or we're asking them at the wrong time or we're asking the wrong audience, right? then we may not actually be getting the right information. And I actually think that, again, I think there's a correlation to sales here, because if you think about some of the products that we sell, um, for some of them, the initial sale is what often gets measured, but the initial sale is not where the money is, right? So for example, um, there are a lot of learning platforms that, that people buy, but it's not the initial learning platform where there's the opportunity to grow the relationship. It's it's what's going on the learning platform. Do you have the ability to build something in the learning platform? How are you tying that learning platform into other aspects? I mean, compliance bought it because they needed to do the check the box thing. So they had the budget for it. But how's sales using it? Right? Like how how is it being used for this other department? How's it being used for this, that, and the other thing? And so once you start looking at like where the actual markers would be for the for the company that's selling this product if they start looking at where those different points are where that relationship grows and deepens and becomes more profitable they can start to design the um the measures and the questionnaires and things like that to help them actually get there right because if you're giving a questionnaire to somebody who's just deployed this system and you're asking them about how easy it was to deploy, you're missing out on the opportunity to ask them about their plans for how they're going to continue to use it with like a whole list of things you can check off, which guess what? It's also educating them on the types of ways that they could actually be using that system. And so you have this opportunity to get information, you have this opportunity to share information, and you have this opportunity to grow that relationship. And so when I when I think about learning, like outside of sales, back to learning, like we often can use the um, the ways we assess the learning that we've already done as a way to tease out the need for other learning, but also as a way to get people excited about other learning, right? And also to find out if there were parts of what we did that didn't work for a particular reason, 
right? Like, so for example, it was a virtual instructor led course and it was only held at these times of days, uh, at these times of the day. And all of our staff in Australia, it was torture for them because it was not a good time. So that's an opportunity for us to tease out the difference between like the content was really good. The instructor was really good. And hey guys, Australia is a place with a different time zone than New York. Right. Like, and so what's the issue? And so without having robust measurements, we don't get that data. And and also when we train people that the surveys that we give them matter by getting back to them and saying, hey, you know, now again, like you've got to be careful about like what you're telling them is anonymous and what's not. But like if you are gathering information from them and then you're getting back to them and you're saying, you know, we heard that you wanted XYZ and look, this is what we're going to do. We'd love to get your thoughts on it. Then you've created not just a survey and not just a, an information like, you know, feedback loop, but you've also created an opportunity for connection with your audience. And you've also created an opportunity where your audience, you know, may feel like their needs are being addressed, like they're getting what they want for their own growth. And they also then may become your biggest fan. and. I've seen this a lot with um, a lot of the compliance training that I did. I actually worked for a financial regulator for many, many years and and did, you know, uh, training around the compliance space. And people would, you know, when they would say, you know, gosh, I thought this would be terrible, but actually this is a lot of fun. You know, that was like winning because if you can take something that's normally painful and get people not only excited about it and feel like they got something out of it, they're going to share that information totally. because, you know, I, I say to my kids, I don't mind spending money. I mind wasting money. Right. And it's the same thing. I don't mind spending time. I mind wasting time and don't waste my time with bad learning as a learning professional. I find that offensive. And I think as a sales professional, right, like if somebody tries to sell you something and they do it badly, you're probably like personally offended and you want to like take them to school and like teach them how to do it. I mean, I I might sometimes do that. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you do that to sales people. <laughs> I'm, I want to, you know, go back to something you said, like, I feel like, you know, and I saw like you posted like something like uh, the other day about like, I just, you know, loving Mr. Rogers, which which I do too. And you, you put a bunch of quotes and one of them was like, there's a big difference about insisting someone do something and then creating the atmosphere where they can grow into wanting to do it. And, you know, I feel like you, you know, whenever you, like when you said, like you, you talked about, like there's an opportunity to create a connection with people. So like a lot of people don't think about like, you know, intentionally creating those opportunities for connection they just kind of go about kind of like their responsibilities and even in sales or in l d they're just kind of like hey i want to be able to engage people i want to be able to you know kind of maybe the first level is like i i, I want to you know seem like i'm fun i want to seem like i'm i'm great but they don't like think of like how do i really like create an atmosphere an environment where like connection happens or what are those like little moments where someone could go like you just said like huh i thought this course was gonna be terrible and then like i'm leaving it like that was totally unexpected not expected and then they're like hooked you know because i remember i can think of i think everybody if you're listening to this can think of every time in your life where you thought something was gonna suck and your expectations were really low and then someone you know something was totally unexpected and it was great 
Um, and it's not like we should all think about overperforming. It's just like we should just set expectations that we're going to always, you know, we're, we're going to we're going to just tell people that, you know, hey, like be transparent and trustworthy the whole time. But I like what you said. I'm like shifting back to how you would create connections with humans uh, in learning, like help people who may not be in L&D, who might be able to. What are some like maybe tactical things people can think about and what did you think about when you were creating courses and and development strategies like when you were like creating learning for adults what were those things that you might think about ways to connect with other humans to help them want to want to grow yeah so one of the very first things that i think about is you know in if i look across my audience right whoever they are wherever they are um we all have different ways that we're comfortable and not comfortable communicating. We all have different ways that we are comfortable and not comfortable learning. Um, depending on, you know, kind of where we're from, we, you know, we may uh, come from, you know, cultures where like, if you don't, if you don't keep like talking and talking over people, you don't get heard, right? Like that be my family. And so, you know, and so uh, interrupting people is not a big deal because everybody does it, right? But then if you go to a place or a family or a, an organization where that's very impolite and you don't do that and you're considered very rude if you talk over people or interrupt, right? Like it's it's really different. And But the thing is, is that in our workspaces and in the world, we have people from everywhere and we have people, you know, even from the same place who are different and you know some people are introverts some people are extroverts and uh, in training in in workspaces depending on you know where they are they could very well be essentially biased towards extroverts a lot of the world is right and there are places that are are actually biased towards introverts right and so one of the things i think that we have to think about is how are we presenting the information are we giving people the information in different ways? There, there was a, a theory of learning, Howard Gardner's um, uh, learning styles was very, very big, right? And, and then, you know, and then now there's a, a big push to, to say, you know, oh, it's garbage, it's nothing. But the reality is, is that people do learn differently but that it's not magic it's not like if somebody has this learning style and you present the information in that way they will suddenly know everything but if you put it in the other way they'll never learn it i mean none of they, this is an art not a science but there's science to it right and so one of the things i think that's really important though is if you want to create connections you do have to create an environment where fe where people feel safe to be connected and they feel safe to to listen, they feel safe to be heard, they feel safe to speak up, and in different ways. And the other thing too that I think is really, really important is that humans are a lot like icebergs, right? Like icebergs, you see what's above the surface, but most of it's below the surface, right? And humans are a lot like that. And so you can look at somebody and you think you know who they are based on what you see, but there's so much going on with humans that is like that iceberg below the surface. And so, you know, you may have people in your session who have learning disabilities and for them reading is very difficult. Or you may have somebody in your session who, you know, has a, a, a hearing impairment, which they're really good at covering and nobody knows, right? Or you may have somebody who had a horrific 
experience with learning and they hate learning just because it triggers all of their memories of it. And we think we often think, oh, well, you know, it's work, like none of this stuff matters at work, but that's not true because we're humans. And so we always bring all of our humanness with us wherever we go. And so I think one of the best things we can do when we plan training, especially the training that's not like follow this step-by-step guide or do the walk me through how to log in, right? Like the training that's really, really transformational. We have to give people different ways that they can learn it. We have to give people different ways that they can take it with them. And so it's not about the content itself. It's not about just putting stuff on slides and showing the slides and maybe telling some funny jokes. That's not going to get you there, right? But how are you getting people to do that transaction of getting the information, bringing it in, processing it, understanding it, being able to use it? And then what have you planned for how they will continue to use it? Because otherwise, it's like binging and purging on information, right? Like you take it all in, you spit it back out for the test, oh, you're done. But that doesn't change anything. And so often we look at learning that way. We think it's about the test. But the real test of learning in life is whether or not we bring it with us. And and so that's what you have to look at, is you have to look at how you continue to reinforce those things. And we have so many amazing tools now where we can do that. There are mic- there's micro learning where it doesn't even feel like learning. You're getting a text message or an email like once a day for multiple days. You're getting that ongoing continued support where you're also sending the subconscious message that this is important. It's going to continue to be part of your world, right? And then your brain is going to go, oh, hey, I do need to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you know, it, we learn things differently when we believe that we will need to Ooh, know. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And yeah. so that makes a difference. I mean, do you remember the phone number for the pizza place? Well, first of all, nobody remembers phone numbers anymore. So it's a bad example. I'll forget. I'll forget that example. But, you know, the thing is, is that when when there is something that somebody says to you, oh, you're going to need this yeah. on Friday. You take it and you do something different with it than if they say, oh, hey, I just want you to know, blah, 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 right? Now, you might be somebody who has an amazing memory and you remember everything. I am not that person. <laughs> and so if, if it's something that I know that I'm going to need, I have my different ways that I will take that information and I will do something with that information so that I either know where to look it up or I get an automatic reminder about it or I, you know, file it where I'm going to need it next, right? But if it's something where people are just like telling me something, it's like, oh, nice to know. Okay, off I go. Let me make dinner, right? And it's not the same thing. And I think that's one of the key pieces with designing learning that's going to be effective. And actually, again, there's a correlation to sales with this, right? Because think about how many companies think it's about just seeing their brand name, just seeing their brand name, right? But in what context, right? Just seeing their brand name somewhere may or may not create a positive association, but seeing their brand name in a way that it's associated with the solution when you need the solution may be very different. And and so I think, you know, 
it's it's a key thing that we need to do in both learning and sales if we want it to be something that stays with people that sticks to people that they carry with them and then they then talk about to others we have to make it relevant and we have to give them as part of giving them the information we have to give them the way to make it sticky and the way to to carry it with them and there are different techniques yeah. to do that well you know i love that quote like people learn things that they believe they need to know um something like that and you know, I, it's it is true. Like it, it maybe like for like just little things that people can take away from this. Like when you're telling someone something, like right, part of like the the greatest part of creating change is like you're 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 learning from people. Like I'm learning a, a, like a, a, as much from you as as you could from anything that I say. So we're both kind of um, you know learning uh, from each other from from this sort of thing. But I think um, you know if you can kind of you know slip in those ways, like. Hey, like instead of just saying, "Hey, this is something about our platform," and this is something about this thing I have, or this is something about my idea. Hey, like this is something about my idea. You're gonna want to know because it's gonna affect something like a year from now. Or this is something about my learning pro program that's important because it's gonna, um, you know, uh, like it's gonna correlate to what this other department's doing a couple months from now. Or this is something you're really gonna want to know because you know what, like I've seen this before in another uh, instance, and this is how it, it was, it really like affected people in a negative way. Like, um, and this is like what the implications can be like a month or two from now, like, like saying like, this is something you're going to want to know, or this is something that's going to be important to you later, or this is something you're going to want to take with you because xyz and this is why it's important so like people like hear that like when they when they hear those words like you're, you're gonna want to you know know or this is something that you need you're gonna need yeah. to take with you people will go oh why like maybe a trigger comes on in their brain like okay maybe i need to pause like she's gonna say something important like why why do i need to know this like like or, or our brains are like okay wait like am i in danger like <laughs> like i need to learn this like it's not right. just something she's talking at me she's not telling me she's having a conversation with me. She's um, really engaged in me and growing me as a, as a human being. So like she's invested in me when you say those certain things. So um, I think that's a great yeah. tactic. Um, you know, as we kind of come, you know, like uh, to the end here, like anything you would want, like, you know, people out there that are like, you know what, like, what could I learn from an L and D person about sales? Like, what are, what are something I didn't ask you? What are some things you would want to you know, tell to, to people or leave people with that they could try or that um, might be important for them to, to consider that you, um, that you did in your day-to-day -day as a global learning leader? I think one of the biggest things is point of need, okay. right? Um, and it, it really dovetails with what we were just talking about. Um, if you are trying to sell someone an umbrella, on a sunny day, you will not be as successful as selling them an umbrella when it's raining, right? That's easy peasy. But I think part of being a good salesperson is starting to see cyclically, you know, when 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 are people asking about things, right? Like what are those budget cycles in different organizations? And what are the things that people always forget to buy? Right. Like, say, with your learning program. Right. And then it's like this scramble of, oh, goodness, you know, we don't we don't have this or we did this training six months ago. But like, does anybody, you know, do they remember it? Do we need a refresher? And so, you know, like in sales, you can, you know, proactively send your your clients or your prospective clients, you know, um, 
around this time of year, sometimes people are mm -hmm. thinking about da da, mm -hmm. da 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 And you can send them some tools and resources that they can use just in case they're sort of thinking about that. And, and then you are making yourself more valuable to them because you are helping them. You're saving them some time. You've already sent them this thing, right? And um, and that's really that's really helpful in sales. But I think in learning, it's a similar sort of thing where, you know, again, we think about that learning you want to rent, learning you want to own, learning you want to like pass down, depending on what it was, if it was really learning that you kind of hoped that they wanted to own it, but really they only rented it, you can figure out where those points, those touch points are, and you can make it easy for them. There's the quick video, just like a five minute, like, refresher or if they just need to see like a like a job aid about it or you know or the or it could be like a quick questionnaire do you know enough to do xyz here find out you know and then you you get them the learning that they specifically need and so i think sometimes too if you know we've all had the experience of working with someone who is like so great at everything you were not great at, right? Like, you know, and like, say you're a disorganized mess and then you've got like your second in command who walks in and knows exactly the piece of paper you were looking for and you didn't like, and there it is. And I think that if you can be that person for your customers as a salesperson or for your customers essentially as a learning salesperson and to, and to be able to kind of anticipate what some of those common needs are and have that information or have that solution right there at the ready and make it easy for them. That's part of building up that trust and connection. And it's also, it's also mutually beneficial. I mean, like even animals in the wild have symbiotic relationships where they mutually benefit from each other. So it's not, it's not like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually really, really helpful when we develop these symbiotic relationships of, you know, like trainer and, and learner and, you know, salesperson and person in need of a solution that's going to help them, right? Like those, I don't think that we have to look at that as being like, you know, pushy or anything like that, but, but the key there is being helpful. And so that's where the more you know your customer, the more you know your learner, the more you know your market, um, the easier it is to be able to be right there with the perfect piece of paper when the person realizes yeah, that they Yeah, very well said. And and like uh, for those that uh, know the funny story about us, well, I, I, I was being sold, you know, $15 umbrellas, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to be that, that person who gives the person the umbrella that forgot to buy it, forgot to get on the bus with it. And we had some fun uh, giving away umbrellas at Disney. So uh, that that's what I'll always we remember. We did. There's nothing like looking at somebody who's starting to look like a drowned yeah. rat and being able to be like, would you like yeah. to be dry? And they, they, they were like, and, you're giving me, uh, a, it's, it's a joyful they, they felt like they were getting a hundred dollar gift and it's like $15 umbrella, but you know, that was great. Um, it, hey, in a rainstorm, it it's is, priceless. It is, it is. Um, <laughs> what is, uh, so the final question, Allison, is just a fun question about you. And that is like, I feel like, you know, being human, gr uh, like connecting with other humans, like people need to know us as, as human beings. So this is a fun question for, for Allison. Uh, it is, you know, if I asked your, your closest family, friends, you know, something about you, something that is just something that it's just so totally you, maybe it's an event, something that would only or could only happen to you, something that is only you, what would they tell me about you? I think that they would tell you laughing um, that I am probably the most optimistic person in the world um, because I am many things, but 
fast is not one of them. I, uh, I'm a terrible runner, but I do love to do it. And I ran varsity track for three years in high school. And I came in dead last in the slowest heat of the 100 meter dash every single meet for three years. Every single one. There was not a single meet that like I beat anybody. Right. And, um, and every single meet, I would say, maybe this time I'll win. <laughs> that's, that, that is awesome. And I think that, I think that's something that my family and friends would, would focus on because I think it's important to, it's important to be realistic. I didn't go out for the Olympics, but you know, it's also important to leave space for um, the magically impossible to be. I possible. love that story. That's great. You know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've won many, many other races in, in life, um, you know, in other, other arenas. So um, thank you so much. Um, Allison, where can people connect with you, find you after this to, um, you know, continue any conversations? Yeah. So actually that leads to something I'm afraid of and I'm trying to get over, which is my fear of social media. So um, I have been posting very frequently on LinkedIn uh, to to get over this. So um, I, it's funny how I can do a keynote speech for thousands of people or like, you know, a, a workshop for hundreds and like not be nervous at all. And yet LinkedIn posting is like hard for me. But I'm a lifelong learner and I'm learning to be brave. So yeah, please connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Allison M. Shea, um, but you'll find me. I look like this and, uh, and, and check out what I, what I'm talking about, what I'm thinking about. I, um, I see learning everywhere and I think we all have the opportunity to grow and learn in unusual places. So please, please join me on my learning journey and I'll join awesome. you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining today, Allison. It's been awesome. Thank you so much, Alex, for having me. It's always a pleasure to awesome. talk to you. Hey gang, all right, wow, you made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.